What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to the Final Four. Is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron. Michigan State falls and season comes to an end. 80 to 86 against UCLA. And this is a just a really tough one to swallow, Rod. They they were in control of this one uh, definitely all through the first half and went into the halftime with a 11 point uh, lead. Come out, UCLA gets hot. They're, you know, pushing the defense a little bit harder. But you still felt like this team was in control of this thing. And then next thing you know, five minutes, uh, UCLA has a one-point lead. Michigan State pushes it back out to six or seven. And they come back. They let them back into it, tied it up. This one goes to overtime. And... What can you say? I mean, that's a perfect uh, end cap to this year. Um, <laughs> well, disappointing. It, it is. It is, and it isn't. It is in terms of the the ultimate result, right? That they just weren't good enough. Okay, that that I'll buy. That I they were not. I don't know. I don't buy that. This team was better. Well, Miss, no, I mean, Miss, they weren't good enough. They weren't good enough to win the game. They didn't win it. They didn't I mean, win it. They didn't win it, but they should have I'm not saying the talent level is not there to win it. I'm saying they they were not, in terms of what counts, because talent doesn't mean shit. That's it's true. about what yeah. you do, and they were not good enough to win this game. And when you're talking about a game that you have a five-point lead with a minute, what was it, a minute and a half? Yeah. Play minute 50, I think, and you can't win it, you're not good enough. But I, I'll tell you what this came down to, in my opinion, because people are going to obsess as they normally do. Most fans are going to obsess about the empty possessions at the end of regulation. And then on in overtime, when the game hit overtime, let's just say I was not confident. (laughs) Um, So I was not surprised with the way overtime went because they looked emotionally and psychologically spent to me. And that's exactly how they played in the overtime, but people are going to focus on those empty possessions. And look, should rocket Watts have taken that, that three? No, because he wasn't in rhythm. He was open, but he wasn't in rhythm. Don't take it. You know, um, Aaron Henry did not make, and Aaron Henry was really bad in the overtime too. He just wasn't able to make plays. Um, but to me, 
the thing that I was worried about, even with that halftime lead, is remember we said in the preview, Michigan State probably, I believe I said this verbatim, Michigan State probably can't win a pretty game. If it's a pretty game, that's to UCLA's advantage because Mm -hmm. they just have better skill players. They have better shooters. Michigan State needs to dirty this up. They need to, they need to play with physicality. And, and I think they did in some ways at times, but defensively, that game was awful. And I'm taking nothing away from UCLA and the way they shot it. But Michigan State never had a clue defensively. And, and I think a big part of the problem, um, in my opinion, is the, the Michigan State tradition, which they'll They'll do this the vast, vast, vast majority of the time of switching constantly. Yeah. Bit them. And, and we talked about the strength of this UCLA team being those three wings, right? I didn't fully appreciate it until watching this game. It's not just, oh, they can shoot or, you know, they all score double digits. That, that stuff is all nice, but they're all really good in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. And, they were able to use that all night long to get bad matchups. It was an NBA-style game from them. Not that there are NBA players, but it was an NBA-style game in that they worked their offense yeah. to get mismatches, and they just punished it over and over and over. How many times did we see Joey Hauser guarding a wing? Yeah. Joey did some okay things offensively when he was in there, but he was terrible defensively. How many times Rocket, did we see Rocket Watts guarding a six guy? Yeah. Right. Over and over and over. And I think if there's the, the biggest thing to me to criticize about Michigan State's approach in this game, and I, I would hope that somebody's smart enough to ask Izzo about it. I don't know. I don't put a lot of faith in Michigan State's beat writers, but maybe. Um, <laughs> is, is that, is it, was there ever a point that you thought about just not switching? Mm. Because I would have. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, I, I've texted my roommate, like, my old roommate at, at halftime. I'm like, you got to put Henry on that Vasquez guy, and that's it. And he yeah, did get on. It, Henry got yeah. on him a little bit more. They did, and it they made did. a difference. And, but well, but but by that point, then things are rolling, you know. But yeah. even even with that, they were still even when Aaron was guarding that kid, they were still getting. They were working their offense to get yep. switches. Yeah. So it wasn't like he was on him the entirety of a possession, you know? Credit to UCLA. I mean, offensively, they played a great game. But Michigan State brought very little. They didn't make this thing ugly. They were soft, I thought, defensively. And then they just got exploited over and over and over and over and over with mismatches. This this was a game to me that um, was tailor-made for going and I'd have to look at the minutes, but for going much heavier with that small ball liner. With like Gabe, you know, yeah. With Gabe and, and Aaron and Josh and, and Rocket. And then whatever big you want. You want it to be Hauser at times, you want it to be Bingham, you know, Marble, whoever. Um and and that's not a not you know, Malik Hall I thought played a pretty nice game in some ways, but even he had trouble defensively. You know, you're asking him to guard those guys, those aren't just wings, those guys are all good, versatile players. They can do a lot of different things, and we knew that. We talked about it. We knew that coming in. They all shoot it well. As I say, I didn't fully appreciate just how good they are 
in terms of the totality of what they can do in the pick and roll game. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew they could go to the rim too, but man, just decision making, working their offense to get a mismatch and then going at that high level stuff. But some of that's on Michigan State. And, and this was, you know, if you told me that the game was going to be played in the eighties, I would have thought, uh oh. I mean, seriously. I would have thought that's not Michigan State's kind of game. Yeah. Not against this team. Because if this team is getting into the 80s, I figure, well, they're doing something well offensively. Michigan State's not making it hard on them. And they didn't. Michigan State, we've said this over and over this year, to be successful, this team had to be hard to play against. This team was not hard to play against tonight. They just weren't. Offensively, they were really good for a lot of it. But was that a surprise? UCLA is terrible defensively. You know, they really are. And even the, the stops that they got late, you know, the announcers talking about stops, those weren't stops. Those were no. Michigan State making, you know, Fucking rocket rocket what air ball. Take. Uh, yeah, those weren't stops. UCLA is what they are. They're a bad defensive team. And, and so, of course, you would hope, I mean, unless Michigan State was just god-awful, that they would be better than they've been most of the year offensively. And for much of this game, they were really good. But they they just, they, they're not built to win this kind of game. Not this team, not this year. The the thing I'm, I'm sad about is that people's last memory of Aaron Henry is going to be the way he closed this game and not the way he played through, you know, 80, 90% of it. Yeah. 18 was, points, five rebounds, seven assists, a right. block, a steal. Really good. I mean, that's the thing. We're going to talk about guys, and there are going to be a lot of positive things to say about a lot of guys. But it's mostly offensive talk. It's not, you know, defensively, man, this was and, – and the shame of it is is that this team put themselves in this game in the first place, in my view, because – they figured it out defensively. They became a pretty good defensive team. And that's the sad part is that they go home having played terribly mm-hmm. on that. And the one thing that had been very reliable for them, three-point defense, perimeter defense in general, was just a nightmare. So that, in that sense, it's indicative of how this season went, right? Because for a long time, it was kind of a moving target. It's like they have one big problem and they kind of start to address that and another big problem emerges and they address that and then back to the first problem. They could never really get their arms wrapped around it for most of the year. And then down the stretch, I thought they did. They found the formula. Well, tonight they didn't play with that formula, in my opinion. And that's why I think that's the main reason they lost. You can talk about the empty offensive possessions and all that stuff, but this is Michigan State basketball, man. You're up five with a minute 50 to play. You get a couple stops, it's over. Yeah. That's what this program's built on, and they couldn't get stops. They talk to Shades, fucking Purdue loss, excuse me. Um, they, they, you know, the play that tied the game. Mm-hmm. Kick goes to the line, I think it was, uh, Hakas, right? And he, he blows the free throw. Michigan State can't get a defensive rebound on a free throw. Mm-hmm. UCLA gets it, the, the possession goes on, and they end up getting a three point play to tie it. What the hell is that? I mean, that's a defensive rebound. Come on, a free throw. Yeah. You get that done. But just like the Purdue loss at Breslin, same thing. That was just, this team was just, in the end, it was just a day late and a dollar short on some fundamental things that have made this program what it is. And, and I think, you know, for, 
there are some good memories of this season, a few, but um, in a way, and I'm just speaking honestly as a, as a fan, um, I'm kind of relieved that it's over because now turn the page and starting tomorrow, this thing goes something that we talked about before they made this run to get into the tournament where we thought it was over anyway, is that, Hey, this is now about resetting the, the fundamentals of this program because they need to be reset. And, and that starts tomorrow. So let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, man, I, I think you do give credit for getting in and, and oh, keeping the streak alive. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I said. I, I feel badly, especially for a kid like Aaron Henry, who was so integral to that. And that the last memory is, is going to be just not being able to make plays when they need to be made. Um, that's really unfortunate, but it doesn't take away from what he did. He had a really good season. Yeah. Really good. And, and the team uh, deserves immense credit for rallying the way they did. Josh Langford, uh, 12.7 rebounds, three assists, five for eight from the floor, uh, one for one from three point, uh, and a block. You know, I, I thought he had that run kind of when they, you mentioned UCLA took the one point lead and then Michigan State pushed back and Josh was big. In yeah, that. yeah, he was. He hit a couple shots. He, he, I thought he was stepping up to close this thing out, and then just wasn't able, you know, just wasn't able to make enough plays. I, I guess that's the disappointing thing is like, why is Josh Langford five for eight in Rocket four for twelve? Josh Langford is the senior on this team. He's the one that should be taking those three pointers um, at the end of the game. Yeah, and and that was you know again uh, people are gonna people are gonna zero in on that one, um, and it's fair. And then you know, it, geez, it got down to in overtime, he pulls Rocket and goes with Hogard, which I, I think was for defensive reasons. That's my assumption. Um, but yeah, you know, Rocket. It was a again another game was indicative of the season. Yeah. He had some moments in this game. He did. Mm-hmm. But he didn't, you know, this was a game that I looked at that matchup and I thought, you know, with Tiger Campbell out there, this is a matchup Rocket can win. And he's got to step up the way he did in the Michigan game yeah. and and exploit it. You know, he's going to have opportunities. Well, he did have opportunities. The 12 shots represents that. Um, he just didn't hit enough of them. And, and play, you know, again, defensively, I don't know. Maybe, you know, it, it might be when I talk about the switching, it might be that what we hear from Ezo is, yeah, that was not the plan. And guys just got caught. And and maybe that's the case. I don't think so. But if it is, that might be something that was on Rocket. Um, they just had trouble switches all goddamn game. The whole thing with, with Izzo and Brown at, at going into the halftime locker room, which, you know, was talk for a second, which is ludicrous. But but that stemmed from a blown switch. Yeah. They just never got it together in this game. And I don't know. There may be something about what UCLA was doing that made it really, really tough for MSU to deal with. But I, I just I just think it was that they, they needed – it was personnel-based to me. It was that, you know, UCLA had personnel – that could really attack mismatches and they were patient enough to get them and Michigan State didn't react mm-hmm. by refusing to give in to that. You know, that's how I saw it, but we'll, we'll see what the, 
the uh, autopsies <laughs> from Izzo and, and others. Um, but uh, getting back to your point, um, yeah, if this is the end of Josh Langford's career, and we, we don't know that yet. Um, I hope yeah, not. He I did hope some he comes things. back. He did some good things, but, um, you know, look, I, in terms of Josh, I think would be, we, we talked about this, that, you know, my original expectation was, hey, if he can give him 15 minutes a night, that's great. And he ended up giving him tons, tons more than that. But I will say this. I think if Josh Langford did return next year, he would benefit and the team would benefit if he could play a little lesser role. If he didn't have to play 30 minutes, you know. I, I'm not talking about be a 12 minute a night guy, but I'm just saying it, with, with the guys that Michigan State's bringing in on the perimeter, my hope is that those guys are going to be good enough immediately that, you know, if Josh returned, he doesn't have to be an Iron Man like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but a uh, hell of a story just for him to play the whole season. Yeah. And be healthy and, and actually be productive. And in my opinion, overall, the second best player Michigan State had. This year, when you take no doubt, yeah, he struggled defensively tonight too, though man, he really did. I mean, tough cover, but uh, Jacquez in the second half really got it going against him, and Josh just could not deal with him off the dribble. Really struggled. Uh, Marble, fourteen minutes, eight points, a rebound. Looked good in the beginning. I mean, look, look, he was making moves. You know, yeah, hit like a sixteen footer. Um, did some things inside and, but I don't, I don't fault Izzo's big man rotation because Izzo went heavy Bainham and Marcus Bainham played really well. Yeah. Marcus yeah. Bainham was, was a, all the bigs played very, well really in this game. I mean, yeah, Sissoko did okay. Um, you know, but so I don't, not I, so much, but I don't fault, I don't fault the, uh, I don't fault the, the minute allocation there. I think that went the right way, but yeah, Julius played okay. Mm-hmm. And, and he, unlike a lot of, you know, the, the problems defensively were on the perimeter. Um, the bigs were okay. I mean, yeah, they know, did fine. Yeah. At least in terms of the post, you might, you might criticize pick and roll defense, but, um, in terms of their defense against Riley, they, or any, yeah. and they were 11 great. points, three for seven. I mean, he, he wasn't doing much down there. ETN, no, they, they, they got nothing. Nice. Yeah. Over three. Yeah, and Marky, I, I thought played really, really well. I think he's, you know, he's one guy among people that, you know, could be back with this team. You would think, you know, would have a chance to be back. He's the guy who I think showed the most in yeah. terms of what could be next year because now you're getting into a position where, um, you know, theoretically at least, even as he is right now, you can say fairly, well, he's a piece, mm-hmm. you know, but not, I still don't think at this stage, he's not a 25 minute a night guy, ideally, because there's still too much. He, he doesn't give you a low post presence on offense, really. Um, and I think his conditioning is still, but that could be improved. Maybe yeah. if he got stronger, maybe it's a different story, but I just, you know, we're, we're three years into this thing. It hasn't happened. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it, it it doesn't matter in the sense that he can be a piece as he is now. He's gotten better enough defensively that he's a real factor there. And yeah. you see every game he plays these days, he's going to find a way to 
four points, six points, eight points. You're going to get some production out of him because he's so long, and the, 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 the scoring opportunities will find him. Yeah, and three, and blocks. he's pretty good at the free throw line. Well, that's the defense. That's what yeah. he's giving you is that presence defensively that nobody else, you know, Sissoko's not ready to do it yet. I think in time he could, but at this stage, nobody else gives them that. Yeah, you know. So yeah, good yeah. game for. him. Yeah, I'm excited about He's him going him forward at this point now. Um, yeah. Uh, Hauser, 16 minutes, 7.3 rebounds, 3 for 6, 1 for 2 for 3, a block, you know, turnover. Uh, he had he had some moments obviously scoring the ball, I think all in the first half. I think all his points came in the first half. Um, defensively, he really, yeah. really struggled. And, yeah. and look – Candidly, that has been a problem for most of the year. And I think going into next season, what they need to figure out is how do they get Joey Hauser to a point that you can play him and he's not going to hurt you defensively. Mm-hmm. It's either that or he becomes the 20 point a night guy and you say, well, we'll live with it because he'll outscore his man. Yeah. But that's not Michigan State basketball. So I, you know, it was my worry coming into the season with all the high hosannas about Joey Hauser. You know, my my one caveat. <laughs> yeah, you were right on that. You were. I right. haven't seen him defend because Marquette. They don't ask you to defend, so there's no way to evaluate that. Yeah. And and I thought he really struggled at times, man. And it and look, he's he's being put in tough situations. This game, he was guarding. You know, when he's got to go and try and guard, uh, um. Johnny Juzang or, or, or Hakez or, or Bernard, you know, the three guys that he would end up guarding at times in this game. That's a, you know, that's a tough matchup for him. But man, there were also games where he was getting blasted by bigger guys. Mm-hmm. So I never, I never saw the matchup where I thought, all right, this is who Joey can guard. So I, I thought that was the real letdown yeah. tonight is I thought he was just really bad defensively. And, and it kind of offset the, and then, you know, there was that, there was that possession where they were down three in overtime and they get the ball in to try to post Aaron and Aaron's going to get the blame for that turnover. If you remember, that's the one where Aaron reached with his right hand. Oh yeah, that's right. For some yeah. reason it went out of bounds, but Joey Hauser threw a bad post entry too. Yeah. He didn't wait. Jim Jackson called it about part of it. So he didn't wait for Aaron to really get set. That was true. But even having said that, the entry pass he threw was a bad pass. It was not on target, not where it needed to be or should have been. And, and that's just, again, kind of indicative of Joey's season. These were things, these kind of fundamentals. Okay. Defense is one thing, but Pat, he was supposed to be a great passer. I mean, Izzo was talking about him seriously as a Draymond Green type. I thought that coming into the season, I said, well, we don't have to worry about the point guard spot too much because they'll, they'll be able to play a lot through Henry and Hauser and that will, they've done that before and that'll solve it. Well, the Henry part ended up coming true. You know, one, once we got down to brass tacks, they were able to do that a lot, but Joey Hauser was never a guy you could play through mm. this entire season. And again, I don't know if that's confidence or what, but there's a, there's a lot of tools there. I'm not saying jettison this guy by any stretch. There's a, there is material to work with. He is a skilled basketball player, and at times he's shown some toughness. I just 
man, there's a lot of work, a lot of work to get him to where he need to be. And, you know, right now, honestly, when you look at it right now, as of today, who would you give more minutes to as a starting foreman, him or Malik Hall? Malik Hall's found his game again. Mm-hmm. And Malik Hall does more Michigan State things than Joey Hauser does at the moment, in my opinion. So, yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's some of the defensive stuff drives me nuts when I see it. Because it, it, you're right. It's like, well, if, if he can't guard somebody in the low post like a bigger guy, um, right. then you're, the expectation is, well, you should at least be able to keep up with like the six, seven guys, you know, on the perimeter to some degree. He can't do it either. You yeah. got to pick something. You either got to get tough yeah. and, and body up or you got to get out there and, and – it's a, It's a problem. It's a problem, and and they they real he needs to decide if you know. Remember, this is a kid people are talking about NBA. He's so far from that right now, and it's because of the defense. I think offensively, you know, he is a skilled player, and I think if he can get off to a better start and kind of sustain a little bit, confidence will come back. I, I think I think offensively. There's enough to work with there. I'm not worried about that per se. I think he can yeah. still be a good player there. But if he can't check, you can't you can't win. Not mm-hmm. the way Michigan State wins. You can't so, play. I mean, right. your That's offense I, means nothing if you can't guard the other guy. You know what he's what he's down to then is exactly the role that he's been playing, which is like a 15 minute a night guy. Well, that's a that's a far cry from what everybody expected. Yeah. It, Coming yeah. into this season, so if, if that's if he's comfortable, if he's comfortable being that, okay, he's probably good enough to continue to be that. But you know, Malik Call is going to be the guy you're going to turn to for the heavier minutes, and rightly so. Yeah. Well, um, I guess the only guy we haven't really talked about is Rocket, and I that was a terrible game from him. I, I, well, it, it ended that way. I mean, we, I was we've, pretty happy. we've was pretty happy with his first half. We've been we've been pretty easy on him all year. Um, eh, sometimes, <laughs> this is this is where I am. He's had a long Rocket. road. He has, but but this is where I am with Rocket Watts. Um, my supporting him, playing the heavier share of minutes, particularly once Lawyer got hurt is there was no other answer. I mean, A.J. Hogard, he did a couple of decent things tonight. This was actually not a bad game from him, per se. Yeah. But they're not in this position if A.J. Hogard is playing that role. I mean, let's get real. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree. They, they had no other choice. So... You had to... That's what I was supportive of. Is I, They do. Have, they, they, there is a choice. I would have... To be honest with you, I would have been playing Langford at the point with Gabe Brown out there. I know that's that's ridiculous, but but Rocket Watts has the worst box plus minus on this team, the worst. Yeah, and I'm yeah. not. I I've been reluctant to say anything about it until now, but after that after that game, Jesus, this well, team performs it, performs worse with him on the floor than any other player on this team. Minus like Hoiberg, uh, Stephen Izzo, and 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 uh, you know the three walk-ons that come off the bench. Yeah. 
Well, look, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly That's not, over a course of a year. I'm not going to strenuously argue the point because it's obvious to everybody. He had a, he had a year. I'm trying to think of a guy who with one level of expectation and underperformed to the level that he did this season. And I'm talking going back to Judd. I'm talking going back to the mid-late 70s, which is as far back as I go. And I can't come up with anybody. I don't think there's ever been a player who had legitimate expectations. Let's remember, this is a kid who started for a Big Ten champion, who over the last 10 games or so of last season was really, really, really good at both ends. He was great defensively all the way, and he really came around, shooting the ball, occasionally making plays. I mean, I thought there would be some growing pains. I never imagined. And and to me, the, the funny thing about it is, I still don't think he's horrible in terms of getting them into their offense. There are things he does there far better than anybody else on this team, that's for sure. Um, it's been it's been his own offense that's been so bad. And then and then marry that with defensive inconsistency. You know? Yeah. He was never even at his best this season, which was recently, that recent stretch I think was probably his best defense of the year. Um it was never to the level it was last year. I thought he was a first team all defense guy. Yeah, but, yeah potential. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Remember, we talked about at the start of the year, as recently as that Duke game, we talked about this team having the potential to be as good a perimeter defensive unit as Izzo's had in a long time. And there were points in this season where they were not just not that. They were awful. They got a lot better, and Rocket was part of that. That's when I go back to what I said kind of at the outset here. What was so disappointing about this game is the thing that had been their rock, their strength, perimeter defense during this run, just belly flopped. I mean, it was awful. And Rock was part of that. He wasn't alone. But look, in regard to him, I think, I think anything is possible. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, I know this much. I, the idea of his turning professional, which was legitimately considered an option coming into the season to the point that I thought it was likely um, that, that that can't even be remotely a thought mm. at this stage. So it probably comes down to a couple of things. How comfortable is he in the program? Does he want to stick it out? Um, and two, if he does, I assume they're going to move him back full time to shoot. And maybe that would make a difference. But when they tried to do that this season, it didn't change anything. Things got yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, maybe an off season and, uh, you know, it might reset things. But, um, and, and, you know, and then it kind of depends on, okay, well, what's the personnel look like? Because with some of the guys they've got coming in, I, I don't know. And, and the season he just had, I mean, are you going to hand Rocket Watts a starting job next year as an off guard? I don't think that's remotely in the cards. You don't hand it to him at least. Yeah. You know, so I don't know what the future holds for him. I really don't, but, um, yeah, not a, not a pretty good first half and then just the rest of the way. Yeah. Not, not, not good. 
right. Well, uh, keys defend the ark. Um, I don't know. I've actually got to look at the. <laughs> they shot the lights out. They shot the absolute lights out. And I mean, you know, you know, it's, to some extent, nine for eighteen, fifty percent. Yeah. Okay, so they shot their average in terms of attempts, but they, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just. A terrible, terrible example of perimeter defense. And you just, you just can't, this team is not built to win games like that. Mm-hmm. They're just not. And, and that was a big part of this story. Uh, and then physicality was the second key. You know, I can't say it's a total failing grade because I thought, I actually thought now the, the funny thing is you see how they actually, not funny. Um, out rebounded Michigan State on the offensive boards, thirteen to ten. But I thought Michigan State played hard. I didn't think they were lazy. I didn't think they looked tired. Maybe the overtime they looked tired. Um, but again, I think that was mostly psychological. Um, so that all was was true. But I still thought I still thought Michigan State showed effort. I thought the problem was they didn't play with enough physicality on defense, you know, didn't make this game ugly the way they needed to. Um, and give UCLA credit for the way they ran offense, but, you know, spreading the floor the way they did made it very tough on Michigan State, but you just, come on, if, if you can, if you can be tough to play against, against teams like Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan, all of whom were top 10 offenses, you can't do it in this one. You can't find a way. I yeah. Uh-huh. So you can't give them a passing grade either. Uh, and then transition. Boy, you know, early on in the first half, I they thought really they got some stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then it just kind of dried up. <laughs> you know, like a lot of things did. But mm-hmm. early on, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, points in the paint. I don't have, unfortunately, um, our, our source, Dr. Green and White has said that, uh, you know, the NCAA is pretty, uh, pretty slow, yeah. um, with these in the tournament. So, um, I don't have, let me just take a quick look here as we're, as we're talking about it, um, and see if I can get the, uh, the official stats. I mean, we, we had right. to have won the points in the paint because, I mean, Juzang and, Jacquez, they had 27 and 23. Riley had 11. Yeah, here we go. I will have it. So, Michigan State. Yeah, uh, well, don't be so sure. Points in the paint were even. Even? 30 apiece. 30 apiece, yeah. Wow. Um, a lot of that stuff was, a lot of this stuff was, Michigan State had a 14 to 10 edge in second chance points. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of points in the paint, you know, 30 of 80, they were okay there. Um, you know, at, again, I can't like fault when them. they went to it, it worked. Like, yeah. And I, I can't fault them in some ways for the way they played offensively because UCLA made it so easy on you to run offense. Yeah. 
I mean, they they were hitting shots mostly because they were just wide open shots. They were poorly defended. Michigan State had space, they had time, they were able to get into rhythm. So, yeah, not not terrible, you know, in terms of post offense, but um, or points in the paint, I should say, not really post offense per se. But um, yeah, yeah, and turnovers, eleven well, to eight. Well, I don't know, uh, I've got turnovers. twelve. Actually. Twelve. 12 8, yeah, and that's, and here's the thing. It's, it's probably not quite bad enough where you could say, boy, that was a real key. You know, the problem is you would hope Michigan State would have maybe eked out a similar edge on the boards, and they didn't. So UCLA really did get, I mean, UCLA, let me see this. So yeah, UCLA got six more shot attempts from the floor. And they shot two more free throws. That's a bunch of extra scoring chances. Yeah. And so you would say, even though it wasn't a disaster, if you told me 12 turnovers coming in, figuring the game will be played pretty fast paced, I would have been okay with that probably. Mm-hmm. You see how I got off to it. They had two turnovers like in the first two minutes. And then they really, you know, they really cleaned it up from there. Um, as it, as it ended up, uh, yeah, pretty good. Only only eight mistakes. Um, so that was that was a nice that was a nice job by them. For Michigan State, you know, Aaron Henry, you mentioned seven assists, well he also had four turnovers. He was the primary culprit and then the rest were just spread out, but um not terrible by Michigan State, just with the way the game was played, not quite good enough either. Mm-hmm. I you know, and that's the thing, like we're used to these uh, as shot attempts, if they, you know, if they're if Michigan State doesn't get the same amount of shot attempts, it's like, well, it's not that big a deal because they usually shoot so well. But like, it, it, yeah, that is a Michigan State standard. Absolutely, this year is just doesn't a big problem. Yeah, yeah, because they, you know, and in this game, as it turns out, you know, Michigan State actually shot um, a little better than UCLA did. Michigan State shot 48% from the floor. UCLA shot 46. Not a huge difference, but one big difference. Each team took 18 threes. UCLA hit nine. Michigan State hit six. Yeah. So you had a, you had a gap there. And then free throws were pretty even. MSU, uh, 16 for 18. UCLA, 15 for 20. So yeah, it really did kind of come down to those extra scoring chances. And, you know, Michigan State, you're right, usually overcomes that. Because, you know, they're always going to shoot better. Yeah. Their opponents. But and that's the result of Michigan State's offense being better than we've seen this year and also a result of Michigan State's defense being pretty good, usually. So we didn't see either of those equations um, coming into play often enough. And so it really put more of a premium on, you know, here's the other thing, too. We're used to Michigan State having a consistent edge on the glass, and that really wasn't the case. Yeah. So it made the turnover issue. Believe it or not, this is far from the worst turnover team Mizzou's had. Yeah, it's they, not, it has not been the good. They weren't good, but they weren't as horrendous as some other teams have been. But it stands out more because this team's margin for error was nil. Because the other things we always come to expect from them weren't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frustrating end of the season, Rod. 
I mean, I, the thing about this game is you, you, you felt like watching it that they had control of this thing the whole way. They, they did. It, it, and I, I agree with you, but as I say, I, I would be lying if I said the thought didn't come to me multiple occasions. Man, I don't like the way this game is being played because I'm not confident enough yeah. that they're going to get stops. And, and then you get down to it and you're up five with under two minutes to play. And you think, man, all you need is two. You get two stops, it's over. Yep. Nothing they can do. And they couldn't do it. And as I say, it was, fr- you know, you can't get a defensive rebound on a missed free throw. That's it. I mean, that was a ball game because it, it wasn't, I, I shouldn't say that, it wasn't necessarily over. Michigan State was up three at that point. He misses the front end of a one-and-one. If you get that rebound, there was a little over 30 seconds left, so it's not like Michigan State could run the clock out, and UCLA was going to have to foul. Mm. But Michigan State shot free throws pretty well in this game. Yeah, You had reason to feel confident that whoever, and they were in double bonus, so you had good reason to believe that whoever was going to step up there was probably going to at least split them. You know, and then that makes it a two possession game. So, you know, you're, you're in pretty good shape, but then you can't close it out. <laughs> and, and frankly, and we really didn't even talk about this very much, but the last possession coming out of the timeout, um, I'm a big fan of putting the ball in Aaron Henry's hands. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the right play, but I'm not sure that I want it just spreading the floor. I don't think that's necessarily when he's at his best. I think he's at his best I agree. When, when they get a pick and roll and he can kind of dissect it and hunt his way into the lane. Instead, they spread the floor. He settles for, what, about a 17-footer and it airballs it. I mean – that's not his game. That's not. No, it's not. It's not the idea. Right. You want him you know, 15 feet and in. You want him with two feet in the lane. Yeah. And if he misses that, okay, you live with it. Because you say, well, that's like he, he took one of those shots in overtime and missed it. It's a it's unfortunate that he missed it, but it was a good shot. It's yeah. the shot you want him to take. Um, that, that shot at the end of regulation, that is not the shot you want to take. You want Aaron Henry. I, yeah. Getting into the lane and either hopefully taking the shot, but in a worst case scenario, maybe kicking to a Langford or a Brown or somebody, even Watts, if he's shooting it in rhythm and, and living with it, you know, but it was kind of the worst of all possible worlds. It was, to me, it was a, it was a terrible I, shot to come out with. And, and that's a, been a consistent problem with this team. I think you'd agree coming out of timeouts. I hate to say it. That's a that's a bad coaching call. Well, if if that was the decision, I assume it was. I assume that it was, that that's what they wanted to get. Right. Izzo would probably say he didn't want Henry to settle for a jumper there. He would probably say he wanted him to be. You know, the, the play was reasonably well guarded. It's not like Aaron had a path to the basket that he just, you know, passed up. The kid guarded him well and. So he was left with that as a choice, I guess. Um, that's why I'm saying I would have preferred pick and roll there because I think it forces them into something else. And actually, Aaron's better there. Yeah. It gives better options, in my opinion. That, that's um, a lot of pressure to put on Henry 
one-on-one ISO at the end of the game. It's like, come on, he's not Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying a second ago, though, I mean, this Michigan State team, I I would love – I'm not going to do it, but I would love to see somebody chart their success rate coming out of timeouts has to be an all-time low. That's something that, generally speaking, I know fans – don't think it is because they obsess on the ones that don't go go right. But Michigan State historically under Ezzo has been a pretty damn good team yeah. coming out of the mounts in oh, my oh yeah. my view. This team was awful at it. I mean it was almost it was almost to the point where I found myself hoping they wouldn't call timeout. I know that's that there's no way that's gonna happen. That's who Izzo is. But um I I I really just didn't think this team ever seemed to react well that yeah the the iso stuff i don't understand that i felt like i was watching like doug collins and freaking grant hill Uh, what the hell like yeah everything i've ever known about Izzo coming out of timeouts and designing plays has always been like something incredibly clever and yeah yeah it's never been freaking iso Everybody well, gets out say, of the way, and you just make a play. Like ah, you don't not... have look. If, if next year's team, you know, if if Amani Bates reclassifies, okay, that's a that's a guy who can go make you a play in that situation. Max Christie looks like he might have that in him. Even the the other two guys, Aikens and and um, uh, Pierre Brooks, I, I think have that capability more than guys currently on the roster. But they they do not have a team built for that. The, the guys who were probably actually closest to that would be um, Watts and Langford, and I don't want to see either one of them doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you. It was a it was a bad last possession. I I'm assuming that was the play call and not the players just freelancing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was rough. I, I guess we should also we should talk about. Brown is a thing at halftime. I'm also sure that there'll be a narrative that somehow that's responsible for the loss, which would <laughs> is, is laughable. I mean, if you saw, there was just a on social media at halftime, there was a huge reaction from ex Michigan State players: Draymond Green, Mateen Cleaves, Delvon Rowe, yeah. Brandon Wood, those Steve that's Smith. The same shit that stuff. happened in 2019 with Aaron Henry. Who right, cares? get over it. On and on, he was. Oh, he grabbed his jersey. Well, he was. The kid was walking away from him. He was having a conversation. That's why. Yeah. Um, and and if you notice, Gabe Brown was given as good as he got. And that's something that Izzo um, encourages. And I guess if you're Kenny Smith, you can choose not to like it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I Every actually loved Charles Barkley's reaction. Right. It's like, well, you played for Dean Smith. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's that's exactly right. It's It's this ACC horseshit. Yeah. Um, that, this is what Michigan State's program has always been under Tom Izzo. Um, he encourages it. And, you know, with him saying, oh, Gabe Brown was wrong, too. No, Tom Izzo doesn't think Gabe Brown's wrong. No. He might have thought Gabe Brown was wrong about what he was saying. I don't know. But the, the fact that he was arguing vociferously his point of view, no. He has no problem. That's not the program. And that's what these people miss is that there's a culture that's established that there is a give and take in the heat of battle that is acceptable. Yeah. And Satan, as Izzo always says, you just better be right. Yeah. Well, for all I know, Gabe Brown was. I'm not sure. 
you know, and nobody should pretend that they know until his or, or Gabe Brown tells them, tells them. But I mean, um, it, that comes down to whether the communication was made or not. Right. Whether somebody said switch or not. Right. And, and we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So, <sighs> but if, for Gabe right. Brown to be that pissed, I don't know. Maybe he's got a point. Maybe, maybe he might have, maybe he might have, he might have didn't, didn't call, call it out as much as he should have yep. or whatever. Yep. It could have been Malik on Malik Hall. We don't know. I mean, I'm sure they've addressed it post game because I'm positive Izzo gets asked about it, but you know, but hey, that's a badge of honor for Gabe Brown. You know right. what? That means, that means Izzo is on his ass to the point where he's somebody that's going to need to make an impact next year. Yeah, and you know, and he's a guy. I mean, I mentioned Marcus Bingham has has been the the guy, I think, who's. Um, oh well, I'm just reading this. Josh Langford indicated he will not be back next year, so oh. that's that's it. I'm I'm honestly not surprised. I mean, I was more surprised to hear him talking about it as a possibility. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I getting back to um, and it, it does speak to the importance of Gabe. I think you know he's going to be a senior, yeah. and. You know, in this program, that means things are expected of you. And I think Gabe has shown, continued to show flashes, right? But the biggest thing for me is that Gabe Brown's got to do two things to take the next step. I think he's got to find an, a, a level of consistency on defense. I did think he made strides this year. I thought he was his best year defensively. Yeah. One of the few guys you could say that about. Um, but I still don't think it's good enough. I think he, he needs to continue to get better there. And then the other thing would be he's got to find ways to impact games. Again, I'm going to use the same word more consistently so when and if the shot's not falling, the jumper, I mean, or he's just not getting those looks, you know, the, the, there were a lot of comparisons before the season and even at the start of his career here between he and Morris Peterson. Mm-hmm. Well, one big difference is Morris Peterson wasn't just a jump shooter. Yeah, yeah. Morris Peterson could impact the game in other ways, and Gabe has not done that consistently enough. So in terms of looking for ways that he can step up and and step into a bigger role, that would be that would be a way. Um but uh he's important. I, I and, do have a lot of faith in Gabe. I mean it it seems to me every after every off season what you hear is Gabe Brown is like the hardest worker out there. For that yeah, couple of years. Yeah now. He, he he is. He is and and I think you, you have to give him credit for his work ethic, but, um, it still hasn't been enough. Yeah. Because, you know, here's the thing right now through three years, Gabe Brown is a guy who came to Michigan State and the, and the thought was potentially because of his combination of athleticism and shooting ability could be an NBA player, right? That's the ceiling. Yeah. Is he that right now? Not even close. Yeah. So for all the work that he's done, and I'm with you, it's, I don't think anybody would deny he puts in more time than anybody. I think 
what I would maybe question this year, and I'll bet if he's if he's driven the way I think he is, I think the next the question has to become what what else can you work on that will make you a better player, will make you a more consistently impactful player, because what he's done thus far has gotten him to a point that he occasionally impacts games. Yeah. I think it's you know, strength. And that's not enough. Well, he's gotten stronger. He I don't has. think his strength is I don't think his strength is a major issue given what they ask of him positionally. I I honestly think um but I, but I think that's his next step. Well, to, if he could to get some stuff done around the, you know, around the rim and you know, right. 15 feet out and back people down a little bit maybe. I, I agree with all that. And if he can get stronger, it's certainly not a negative. You might be right. It might be just as simple as that. I, I agree with what you're saying, though. That's what I'm getting at in terms of the kind of things he has to do. Whether he needs to be stronger mm-hmm. to do those things, I'm not sure. I kind of feel like he's capable of doing them now. He just doesn't do them enough. You know, being a garbage man, yeah. finding ways to use a size advantage. You yeah, know? I mean he's six eight for crying out loud, right. like right and long. He can, yeah, yeah. you know. So uh, to me, that's that's what it's got to be. Gabe can't just uh, Gabe can't just be a guy who's a three point shooter. I mean, there's a role for him if right. that's who right. he is. That's okay, but if he wants to take that next step, you know, that's what's got to change for him. Um, I look at a guy like I'll tell you who I think should be maybe his model, and it's it's not Morris Peterson because I think the ship has sailed on that. But I look at a guy like Matt McQuaid. Mm-hmm. Matt McQuaid was a guy who showed occasional flashes his first three years of being able to take the ball to the rim and be more than just a spot up shooter, but he never did it consistently. Yeah. Um. Matt McQuaid as a senior became a different player and a guy who managed to impact games. He was always good defensively, but he got better there. Gabe can get better there. But but Matt McQuaid, I think, managed to tweak enough of his game to more consistently impact things than he had his first three years. And I think that's definitely within Gabe's capabilities to do so. He just has to do it. Yeah. And if he can do that, then the shooting is highlighted even more. You know? Yeah. But yeah. it's, yeah. If Gabe can, like, develop some sort of um, game where he's able to shot fake, drive three, four steps, either, like, some sort of little floater or, like, a pull-up or something like that, yeah. just something to keep the defense honest, um, that would be huge, you know, huge. Yeah. I just don't yeah. think he does that enough. Everyone knows Gabe's, you know, the scouting reports out on Gabe, obviously. He's a three-point shooter to cover him. But, like, he hasn't taken advantage of it in the terms of, like, all right, they're coming after me. They're they're right on me. Get around it and get an easy shot. I just don't think that's quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But he has shown that he can get to the rim, like, and just dunk on people. That's the well. This is thing. what I'm. This is what I'm. This is what I'm saying. It was the same story with Matt McQuaid. For three years, I talked about it on this podcast constantly, or for 
at least two of those years. Yeah. I don't think we were doing it his first year. Um, about how, wow, he shows these flashes. Why doesn't he go to the rim more frequently? And then he finally did it with much more consistency as a senior, and it, it turned him into a much more consistent presence. That's the kind of step that's got to happen for Gabe Brown. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think probably, Rod, we'll get into a, a deeper dive into the, the sort of the post-game, post-season. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do – We'll do a we'll do a postseason obituary uh, <laughs> sometime here in the near future. Postseason uh, obituary. It's not going to be pleasant, but uh, you know, in some of it, we've already, um, I think, uh, telegraphed with our discussion here tonight. You know, I mean, truthfully, you get a lot of positive things to say about Aaron Henry. Some negatives, but yeah. mostly positives. I think Marcus Bingham. You can look at it and say this was a year that he took a step, not as much as he needs to, but he took a step. Yeah. Um, we just talked Gabe to death. There are some positives there, but you know maybe not enough. Um, man, other than that, Malik Hall ended the season well, but boy, he went through a long stretch where he didn't do anything. I'm, I'm glad think, he ended positively. That gives me hope for next year. But I think there is a little bit of hope for Julius Marble's offensive game down the line. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, here's the thing. I've always known he has that. I don't worry about that. It's could he defend. Right. And down the stretch, he was a little better. So you're right. Mm-hmm. There's some hope there. But, look, I, I we've talked about it. We briefly addressed it. They, they've already reached out to three transfers. Um, I don't think that's going to be where this stops. I think the transfer market's going to get ridiculous. And I just, I look at this team and I think there's, there's two, if you think about Michigan State basketball, you know, yeah, we think about, you know, wings are always a huge part of it. They want guys to run the lanes and transition and guys who shoot threes. And that's, yeah, that for sure. But, but I think they're going to have some of that. Mm. I think they're, they're freshmen, even if it's just those three guys, I think are going to make the, the skill level, the offensive skill level of their perimeter group is going to be improved just because those guys are on the roster. I do firmly believe that. Um, and if they add Imani Bates, take it up another level. Um, but we, when I think about Michigan State, I think about point guard play and I think about low post play on offense, having guys who can do that. You know, five men that are just really, really tough to deal with, tough yeah, to play. Yeah. And they didn't have either of those elements. Yeah. For all we're talking about, Marcus Bingham and, and Julius Marvel showing some flashes, yeah, absolutely, they did. Um, but <laughs> they're not a problem for people. <laughs> I, I, so I think I'm going, this is my, you know, we'll talk about this a lot more as we go here, but I'm going to be very, very surprised if they don't look to add guys at each of those spots via the portal. Mm-hmm. Now the question becomes, what are they looking for? And that's going to tell you a lot about what time is of things he has, you know, does he think, Jaden Akins is good enough to be a 25-minute-a-night guy as a freshman. I, I like Jaden Akins a ton. I don't know that I would be putting that on him. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to put on him, and I can't think of the last guy. You know, when you think about Michigan State guards, point guards, K- 
Kalen Lucas came in, he had Drew Neitzel around, so he didn't have all that on him, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Appling, Keith or Kalen Lucas was a senior. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, maybe Christ when Tom was a freshman, Travis Trice was around. Yeah. yeah. Cassius had Tom. So they've they've had guys to lean on. The last guy who probably just kind of had to do it was Drew Neitzel. And Drew Neitzel was on a team that was so loaded that all he had to do was just basically get the offense initiated. Yeah. They didn't ask very much of him. So it's been a long time. I mean, Christ, you know, Marcus Taylor, you had Charlie Bell. Um, Mateen Cleaves, Thomas Kelly was around. Not that those guys were necessarily all world, but you, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, to expect that Jay Nakins is just going to come in and just, hey, he's the guy, boom, 25 minutes a night. I don't know about that. So does Izzo think I need a guy who can split it? Does he think I need a guy who can be that 25 minute a night guy and ease Jaden in as a freshman? I don't know. We're going to find out at the five spot. Does he think he's got enough now with Bainham and Marble that he's got in Sissoko that he's got a three man group there that's good enough? I don't think I'd be betting on that because I just think uh, we, we talked about this briefly the other day. They're really only consistent post threat this year was Aaron Henry. Julius Marble showed flashes, but not, not yeah, enough yeah. going into your saying, Hey, problem solved, right? And Aaron Henry's gone. So you gotta, I think you've just gotta add somebody. You have to. So I'm gonna be surprised if they don't. Be very surprised if they don't. Um, you know, I think, I think we're gonna be looking at a team that is very different in composition. And some of the guys that were on that roster tonight and probably guys that played. Mm-hmm. So by that, I mean, don't necessarily think that the two guys who are heading out the door are Foster Lawyer and Thomas Kithier. Maybe, but not necessarily where I'd go if I had to pick. If I had to pick who I thought was likely. Um, I just think we're going to see a different thing. And it needs to be different because this team just didn't have it. You know, give them credit for getting to the tournament. That was clearly the ceiling for this team. They accomplished it. Against all odds, one of the great runs the program's ever had, given who they were and who they had to beat. But, you know, this is not Tom Izzo. This is not Michigan State basketball. Yeah, yeah. So the way you change that is in part with personnel, and I think we are going to see a different-looking team next year for sure, in part just because of the freshmen, but I don't think that's where it's going to end. Mm. All right, well – We'll sit on this and let it marinate for a little while we're out and uh we'll enjoy come it. back. <laughs> we'll come back. Uh watch the rest of the tournament with spite and anger and, and uh <laughs> disillusion. Uh and then um you know, we'll come back and we'll we'll figure this thing out. Until then, the final four is not all- For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.